Presented by CDE Light Band. Each week we take you around Austin P, the athletics department, occasionally the OVC, thanks to our good friends at CDE. Thank you to our friends at CDE, and thanks to you, the listeners. I am Colby Wilson. He is Casey Kruger. Welcome to the nation's top-ranked Austin P podcast, which still has its nose smarting from today's COVID test. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad, not so... Not so great. That's my second one. I didn't I didn't love it the first time. And apparently there have been advances in COVID testing since I got one way back in April because... Well, at least it's getting better. Is it better or is it just a little more intrusive? I don't know. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. But, uh, having having my brain poked at for... Eight seconds. Eight seconds. Once a week for the foreseeable future is not my idea of a great time. I'll be honest. It wasn't as bad as I expected. Um... Well, I mean, not just the the process of. I don't. I didn't think the test was that bad, really. Like, no, like the hour we sat in line. That was worse. On it. That was worse than the test. That me neither was fun. I would say that the the hour of my life I'll never get back was probably worse. It'd be cool if we got that saliva testing. That'd be pretty awesome. It'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, it would be pretty awesome. Uh, you know what else is pretty awesome? What's you, that? Usually we we remain. Somewhat confined to uh, our our focus upon just Austin P and sports and you know a nothing's going on right now and b uh, this this breaking has, breaking news that's from not, not breaking news it was the other I day mean, it was it yeah it was last week sometime but uh, Adam Kunkel has left Belmont for Xavier and Kunkel was an All OVC guard last year. And there is a vacuum at the top now, kids. The PCAST here truly hates to see it. Yeah, one one truly despises when a, I just, a you bitter just hate rival. to see that for Belmont. You just when, when a bitter rival loses darn. one of its one of its top players, that is just the golly the worst. It must suck because our two best players decided, hey, we're going to come back and play again. Yep, uh, and, and and you add to uh, division. High level, high major P five Division one transfers. Gosh, you just hate to see it. A uh, cu- couple big fellows from the the JUCO ranks, uh, a guard, uh, a championship like winning constantly guard in Terry on Joseph. Oh, Devin Kane's going to be back this year too. Um, might have entered last year. Every bit of Jordan Adams is equal. And Adams was only the OVC's freshman of the year last year. Now that Kunkel's gone, though, we at the PCAST truly wish him the best at Xavier. Yeah. yeah good. Did you just say Xavier? Xavier, sorry. <laughs> Xavier. It's got an X. It does, but come on, buddy. Be better than that. Uh, I guess here is where we will uh, make our, our usual inquiry as to uh, 
What's happened with your apartment? Well, in a completely unrelated to the flood that happened, the AC has just not been working very well for the past week. Um, the guy, the AC guy, came by yesterday and decided, "Hey, well, it's not working. I'll, it's leaking Freon somewhere, or it's leaking something to where it makes it not cool." So he filled it up with Freon last night and said, "This should get you through the night, and I'll be back tomorrow to put pump the system and find out where the leak is." So I can fix it. So that's supposedly happening today while I'm not at home. The painter is also coming to fix the walls after the flood today. And yesterday we had a guy come to fix the microwave that hasn't been working. And it's not dead. It just has a blown sensor, which makes it not work. So once we get a new sensor piece in, we got a microwave back. And uh, haven't had one for a couple weeks. Byers and Harvey will never rent to you again. No, no. I mean, I don't know what happened that we timed it up to where everything in this apartment has just decided it's time to quit working at the same time. But I mean, literally everything. Well, join us next week for whatever it is. Hey, maybe we might, we might be close to complete repairs. We might be close to repairs. No, you're not. After we get this thing painted, we can get some new flooring in there. You know what happens after that? We're done though. No, I do know what happens after that. And you're going to come break things and, no, like somebody's going to hurl an open paint can through your front window. <laughs> what color paint? Periwinkle blue. <laughs> that sounds awful. That would mean new carpet and new paint again. <laughs> yep. You got it, buddy. Is this going to be you? Do you happen to just have a can of periwinkle blue paint at your house? No, I'm going to go buy it, especially for <laughs> <Okay>. this. <laughs> oh. We leave you for the first half of this podcast with something that happened to me last week that truly truly defies i have no clue what happens here i've never heard this story so i'm joining you on the journey everybody last saturday i i was at home all day i didn't i wasn't really doing anything so i didn't have my wallet i wasn't really looking for my wallet don't need it not leaving the house didn't need it for anything sarah my wife is folding some laundry in our room and goes why is your wallet in the dog crate? There are a litany of answers to that. The dog took it there. It fell out of my pocket and landed in the yeah, dog when crate. I, when I toss pants on the floor, as I want to do, when I'm just kind of doing the nightly disrobing to get ready for bed, you know, things hit the floor and bounce. It happens. Jack? Jack. Jack is take. well, we're going to get there. Okay. okay. <laughs> we're going to get there. But Wait, yes, let me buckle Jack, up here. Jack, Jack has uh, developed a small affinity for uh, just taking stuff that's at his level and claiming ownership of it. Um, or giving it to the dogs, apparently. Small, small, lots of coins have become Jack's. Uh, small knives have become Jack's, which were problematic pretty quickly. Oh. They, they've, they've all found a home on a much higher shelf now. That's um, good. But, you know. Anything could have happened, right, is what I'm right. saying. And I don't need this wallet, so I'm in no hurry to get up and go, oh, well, there's one wallet, I guess I'll go, okay, okay, whatever. I go that night at about 10 o'clock as I'm, Sarah's getting ready for bed, I'm just walking through the room, oh, there's the wallet, I guess I'll grab it. This thing is soaking wet, like soaking wet, like it had been i i did not pluck it out of a dog crate i plucked it out of a swimming pool was it water or what what liquid was on it it had no smell no so okay so i was offering the dog could have obviously know? that's where we went first the dog, the dog peed on it okay so that didn't happen 
But two things. No smell, so it's water. One, no smell. Two, there's no way these, like, if I had a St. Bernard and it peed that much, okay, fine, I'd get it. But not two dogs weighing 10 and 17 pounds apiece. They just don't, they'd have to collect it all in a bucket and then throw it on this wallet for it to be that much dog pee. And it had been sitting in the dog crate for how long at this point? Hours. So that means that it was point. even wetter when it went in there. Bingo. So could the dog have dropped it in its water and then brought it to the dog kit? That was our thought too. We checked the water bowl, completely full. So there no no splat no splashes. No you, splashes, would, no nothing. There would be splashes, you would think. There you would think. I pick this wallet up, I take it out to Sarah, and we begin <laughs> Sherlock Holmesing our way through what this is. How did that go? Well, um the conclusions that we reached were inconclusive. What were they, though? Well, we'll okay, get, okay, we're, we're we're gonna get there. Our theory was either my father-in-law, who was visiting, accidentally knocked it into the sink and panicked and didn't know what to do with it, and threw it into the dog crate. Ruled out fairly quickly because he moved slowly. And I was in the house all day, and I would have noticed his gradual migration from our kitchen to our room and back. Um, that, Jack, that seems a little off. I don't think that I don't think that would have happened. Jack dropped it in the toilet, freaked out, or dropped it in the dog bowl, freaked out, and tried to frame the dogs. He has done before. He has tried to frame the dogs for crimes before. How has he tried to frame the dogs? Um, without getting too graphic, there was an incident of uh, poo. Okay. <laughs> and when pressed about where this poo came from, he said, Linus, oh. our dog. <laughs> uh, the obvious answer. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out, not Linus the dog. Not Linus the dog. Option th- three was... I did it and forgot about it. (laughs) I'm going to lean towards no on that one. I mean, listen, we're all adults here. I enjoy my fair share of libations in the evening. It's been a while since I've just not remembered anything. (laughs) Like where I've sat down and then woken up in a completely different place and a completely different state of mind. Right, yeah, so that I'm going to rule that one out. Well... I feel like the Jack theory is my favorite one so far. Well, oh, there's more. Th- there's one more theory. Oh boy, and that is that we'd set Jack's pool up that day. Little kitty pool in the backyard, filled it full of water. He was outside all day, had a great time. My wallet. Here, here's how many sliding doors, moving pieces this part needs. While I'm out filling the pool. Jack, who's outside with me, somehow gets a hold of my wallet. Right. I'm going back and forth to get things to take outside for him. He's outside in the back by himself for a couple minutes, and then he's inside kind of by himself while Sarah's doing stuff, and I'm still filling the pool, and he just wanted to go back in for five, ten minutes. We're around, but we're not like, hey, what are you doing, what are you doing, like, Helicopter right. parenting. He doesn't need us for that much anymore. 
so at some point in this, he gets the wallet and either drops it in the pool, drops it in some of these other things we've discussed, and then goes and throws it in the dog crate. To frame Linus. To frame Linus. Okay, you've heard the... You've heard... Or he... When asked the next morning, he said he found it in the yard. (laughs) And then went and put it in the dog crate. Which, it was dewy that morning, I will admit. I also don't typically put my wallet in my gym shorts pocket to go fill up up swimming pools. Hmm. So, I don't know... I'm leaning towards Jack has something to do with it. Well, if this was a court proceeding, he would get off uh, for the prosecution uh, leading the witness because the, my mother-in-law and wife asked some very pointed questions about what happened to Daddy's wallet, and I think he got the vague sense that something happened, and it sure seems like I should know, so I guess I better just, yeah, that's, y'all hit it. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I don't know. Well, this is fun. It's a a little mini mystery. Did you dry it out? Everything good? Uh, Well, no, not exactly. Not exactly. That's not good. This is my wallet this week. That is a hair tie wrapped around a stack of cards. Yeah. Why is it your wallet just for this week? Have you did you order one? We ordered another one, but okay. Uh, <laughs> in the latest round of hilarity, there it's going to be delivered to my in-laws' house in Jackson. So God only knows when I'm going to get this. Why thing. is it being delivered there? Because <laughs> Sarah didn't change the. She'd got me this wallet. She'd ordered them something on Amazon and mm-hmm. sent it. Th- She'd oh. gotten me this wallet, this exact wallet for Christmas some time ago, and got it sent to their house, so it didn't come to our house. And right. I didn't see it, and she didn't change the address. Ah, yeah. So. Yeah, if you see me clumsily hurtling through a stack of cards wrapped in an actual hair tie, now you know the rest of the story. Shout out to Paul Harvey. Shout out to Paul Harvey. All right, well, we're going to uh, digress from our Holmesian mysteries here and bring on Cammy Cole Nations of the Osby football staff right after this. Somebody has to keep a hundred football players and myriad coaching staff members and equipment gurus and everyone else associated with the Austin P football program in line and moving in the same direction. And that somebody is Cami Cole Nations, who joins us today on the podcast, taking time out of what is even during normal years a busy time for you. And this year of all years, I can't even imagine. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a, it's a little wild, but honestly, it's fun. Um, it's a big transition time for us right now, and it's a big time for kind of uncertainty for everyone. So everybody's dealing with the craziness, but we're all taking it in stride. Let's go back to last year and just being part of that. 
it was a really great experience. I mean, I came from LSU and Mississippi State, and so I've at LSU I was close to a conference title a couple of times. Like we were we were one game away, and so I've I've had that craving for it for a while, and to finally get that, I mean, it was just like I wish I could say like the amount of pride that I had is just like it's absurd because you and I saw the guys. It's a really big joke. Like once you're on my team, you're one of my boys, and so you're my boys, and it was so exciting to see my boys win. It's something that they have worked so hard for and so diligently for, and it was just, it was an overwhelming sense of pride. It was an overwhelming sense of like, holy blank, we've done it. But I, I was just so excited, and it, you kind of still are riding that high a little bit. But the hashtag this year is run it back because we want to ride that high a little bit longer. I, I, and I completely understand, that, especially because you see the background, you see everything. You're with them every single day seeing what's happening it, you, you have to there's just no way you can't appreciate it more oh absolutely I mean I see these guys more than I see my own family usually I mean my husband jokes and says like oh you need to go see all your work husbands I have 120 of them apparently well no 30 work husbands and then 120 work children um so you just have to roll with it uh but you see the sausage get made so you enjoy it a little bit more and it's so much fun because like you said, I see how hard they work for it. I see how much effort goes into it. And so it's just so much like like a release almost. It's so awesome. Coming from LSU, coming from Mississippi State, you get football recruiting at a really, really high level. How does that translate when you come to an FCS school? Well, I think it translates pretty, I mean, English to English almost. It there is some differences as far as like budgetary means and just like overall facilities, but our facilities here are phenomenal. I mean, we have some of the best facilities on, I think in the FCS. I mean, we're getting a brand new indoor facility. Our turf is wonderful and we have great weight room, office space, training room with all the updates we have. So you're not having a major, major step down. Like you're more going to what I think of like a group of five type of programs facility level. Um, with the recruiting side of it, I came from places that budget didn't matter. Yeah, so, you just presented a, a oh yeah, like you want a, a statement, cake? and then you got the money. Oh, you want to have a cake that looks like the egg bowl trophy that's life size? That's literally the size of me. Go for it. That has been done. I'll show you a picture. Um, <laughs> but it's been a really big learning experience for me, and now with my new role also as the director of football operations. It gave me the ability to learn about budgetary um, organization and things like that. So the recruiting on a high level, it isn't changing. I'm still recruiting on that high level. I still want the best players on the field. I want this program to become a monster in the FCS. I want it to be something that year in and year out, you're talking about, oh, what's Austin P going to put on the field this year? Because you know it's going to be something. Ten wins. Ten yeah. wins every year. You, you know it's going to be something to watch. You know it's going to be something to tune into. We're not going to worry about, are we going to have the ESPN live contract this year? We're going to have it. It's not going to be on the, what, the computer where you have to find it. No, we want to be on that. And by recruiting at that high level and continuing that because I've learned from the best. I mean, I, I brought in, helped bring in four top five um, classes at LSU and I brought in a top 15 class at Mississippi State. So you bring those same concepts and principles here. I mean, we're going to create a monster and we have a great support system and our coaches and then Spencer Grubbs, our director of recruiting, is just absolutely annihilating it with his methods of keep making sure things go in a certain way so we can continue to work at that high level 
Can it be a grind, the the day-to-day? <laughs> How much time do you have? But maybe maybe don't give me an hour by hour, but like a, a just it it never stops. You don't you don't hit an off season with what you do. Funny story. So I have a koozie that I found at Mississippi State and it was on sale. And it says, I'm an extremely nice person except for when football season comes. Well, the problem for me is football season is 24-7. People want to say the off season, oh, you get to relax, you get to take a break. My break is maybe five days every four to seven months. And it's basically after a signing day. I get three to four days off just to kind of decompress a little. Yeah, I, I mean, official visits take it out of you. Visits take it out of you. Signing day. It's exhausting, and so we all need that mental break. But you're talking, I was on my wedding day having phone calls coming in about needing stuff getting done, and I'm not saying that to crap on the coaches or anything like that. It's just we work in an industry that is 24-7, 365, and it doesn't move at – It doesn't move at your pace. No, it It doesn't move at 45 miles per hour down Wilma Rudolph. It moves at 70 down Wilma Rudolph because that's what the pace is because we're dealing with young men – whose minds constantly change, who have constantly evolving needs. We work with young men that their future depends on this. It isn't a matter of, oh, I want to go play ball. I want to do this. It's a matter of, do they get an education? Do they not get an education? Do they have a future career? Do they not? And I'm not talking about a career in football. I'm talking about career. Yeah. Because this, this is still, I think people don't understand that these, this opportunity changes so many lives oh absolutely I mean you look I had a kid at LSU when he walked across the stage he wasn't the first person to get a college degree in his family he was the first person to get a high school degree in his family you don't have that anywhere outside of athletics unless you just have an awesome awesome drive but it is a constant story in football and in within all of athletics basketball soccer none of them are exempt from this and so if you're not moving fast enough to cater to those needs, you're doing a disservice to the guys. And people want to say recruiting's never – you only have two recruit. Oh, it's off season. Spring ball's my worst season in the world. Like, fall, wonderful. Six games, that's all I got to do. I have kids on campus like once a week. Oh, this is flawless. Yeah. That's six weeks in spring ball when I have a kid on campus every single day, maybe three t- different times during a day. I want to – you want to talk about sleepy human. <laughs> <laughs> what qualities does a person need to have to be good at what you do? I am – patience is a big one. I, I thought I'd never possessed patience growing up, and I, I've realized I actually have a lot of patience. You're dealing with a lot of different personalities. You're dealing with a lot of different needs. And you have to have patience, but you also have to have an ability to prioritize things. Um, I know that kind of isn't a – trait necessarily but there are people that know how to prioritize and there are people that don't know how to prioritize and you have so many things going on you have to know the pecking order of what comes first exactly and you have to this sounds horrible you need to have a little bit of selfishness as well because you have to prioritize yourself here and there you are being asked a lot from a lot of different people you need to be able to say okay this is what's important and right now I'm important or my family is important and you have to be honest I know as sometimes we want to be able to put the pretty bow on it and say, oh, it's all going to be okay. One of the biggest traits that I think you need to have is overwhelming, blunt honesty. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to get the job done. If you're willing to work hard, grind, and be honest through it, 
absolutely I'm not saying stay overnight though with that work hard and grind but I'm saying be able to be available but also know what your priorities are have patience with the people because sometimes they don't know how you work they're they're learning you just as much as you're learning them and be honest with them if it's something that a is not on high on your priority list because the other 17 things on the list are higher priority you need to tell them and they need to have patience with you as you need to have patience with them if it's something that it comes down between your mental health and the job getting done and it may not be one of those jobs that's like it needs to be done like then sometimes you need to prioritize that mental health a little bit because they're going to respect that in the long run the job's going to get done it's just are you going to be what state are you going to be and i don't know if that's a great answer and our if you got to sacrifice your mental health to do it and that's the expectation it's not worth it I mean, yeah, and you gotta you got to take a step back and say, well, now, if that's the expectation, is this where I want to be? And that's where the honesty factor comes in, the overwhelming honesty, because you have to be honest with everyone else and yourself. And uh, I know that does may not be what the traits you're looking for is like, but obviously the patience, the hardworking aspect, the honest aspect, but the prioritizing is huge, but they all kind of make this big circle that just rolls with each other. So, <laughs> When did you know you were good at this, like that you were – so well organized to do the recruiting and do the ops work um so I was kind of a psycho human and when it comes to notes and everything like that my notes were color coordinated based off of what class what day what time I mean I've always been a little bit hyper organized and I worked as a trainer actually in high school I was a I was a horseback trainer so I trained kids on horses and things like that so you learn patience and organization there and I kind of realized like I, I enjoy doing this um, went to LSU, got the job my second week of school there as a student recruiter. And about my junior year, they pulled me aside and they're like, you're actually really good at this and promoted me to a leader. And that's where I got my first taste of like, hey, you're you're actually pretty decent at this and it could actually really work out for you. And it made me realize, hey, I need to be more organized. Maybe I can pursue something like this. And it was kind of an evolving moment. It was never like one moment of like, hey, I'm, I'm actually really freaking good at this. It was more an evolving thing where you constantly were like, hey, I'm pretty, I'm not, I'm actually pretty decent in this. I'm not as bad as I think I am maybe. So <laughs> it, it kind of was an evolving thing. But I say my time at LSU was really formative for me during that time. So, And the route that you, you – I know everybody takes the different route to get to wherever they're going, but – you have a degree in coastal environmental science. Yes. And you are now director of football operations. How do those things eh, – just walk me through it. Just how. Well, it, first, they don't mix at yeah, all. I was going <laughs> to say, they can't be. Um, basically, my undergraduate degree, it's coastal environmental science with a specialization in research and toxicology. So I basically was a chemistry major. I took chemistries – every single semester sometimes two at a time I love chemistry organic chemistry was one of my favorite classes I'm a nerd I am aware um I tutored chemistry at Mississippi State because I just I enjoyed it but the joke in my family is I sold my soul to a football god somewhere along the way um either that or my dad did to make sure I would go to LSU because he was a LSU football player back in the day um but growing up I would always tell my family like I want to be a doctor I want to be a defensive coordinator yeah, um, but I went to LSU, and this was one of the majors that actually was part of the academic common market, so I was able to get my out-of-state tuition waived, which is a blessing. If you haven't heard of the academic common market, look it up. Um, but 
through that major, I actually went from being, I'm going to go to med school to actually going to say, I'm going to go get my master's in public health, um, get a master's public health, be an epidemiologist and get my doctorate in epidemiology. So this is very interesting to me right now with everything going on. <laughs> um, and I actually had a full ride to a couple of schools to get my master's of public health. I'm not going to list them because you're going to drop your jaw even further. Um, Does it begin with an H and sound like Harvard? Yep. Wow. Um, I was going to be able to go there. Uh, we had a kind of a pipeline between LSU and Harvard with um, once I think two people the graduating year before me went one the graduating year I was graduating went and then two after me went and then another one went to Emory the year after me as well for their master's in public health and then LSU New Orleans was probably what I was going to do because I loved New Orleans um but my February of my senior year I kind of took a step back and kind of wanted to see like what do I want to do and like at that time I met my now husband and he kind of pushed me to really question myself and what what's going to make me happy what am I going to enjoy doing every single day and I kind of looked at myself I said I'd rather be the happiest human in the world with pennies to my name than be miserable with millions of dollars in my pocket because yeah money makes problems go away but they also cause more problems and I got to a point of where I was able to realize I love football. I was at LSU and I was like begging them to let me come in for more hours. I was begging them to like, oh, I'll come in. You don't have to pay me. Like, just let me come in, do this. Like, I was begging to work events. I was prioritizing that above everything else. I was a member of a sorority. Now I, I will. I was very happy as a Chi Omega, but I always tell people I was in sorority of LSU football as well. And that became my priority. And I kind of realized my priorities were where my heart was. And so started taking a class senior year for grad credit I was supposed to graduate earlier I was going to be able to I was like no I want that last (laughs) semester don't graduate (laughs) early kids um but I was able to really step back and realize I love this and I had some amazing professors because I was like I'm gonna go get my master's give me two more years to figure this out and sport business back in Mississippi State just so I could have a chance to like catch my breath because I was making huge life decisions at 21 22 and so I went back to Mississippi State. It was in my in-state school, an hour from home. I was able to really develop there and work in marketing, work in athletic academics, and then get back into football, thank God, um, thanks to Jay Moorhead and his staff. And I really, really realized this is what I love to do. I loved the late nights. I loved the dri- like the absolute adrenaline you would get in it just kind of kept coming back and coming back. And yeah, right now I'm looking at myself like, damn, I should have gone and gotten my doctor in epidemiology. I could be doing you, real you well can, right now. You could be an asset right now, that's oh, for absolutely. sure. absolutely. But I'm just the, the science liaison for the football office right now. Um, but it just kind of became a thing where I kept evolving and I kept wanting football. And I met some amazing people at Mississippi State that really really helped form me and then my first year here was my first like big girl job and I, my one of my mentors Mike Villagrana said he was like I'm gonna put you through the to make sure you know what you want to do and I hate to cuss on this but that's what he said that's what the bleep button's for yeah and that's he, he put me through it but at the same time I've come out better so I've I'm very happy with it. My decision to go from coastal environmental science to football. I know that's very long-winded. I'm sorry. No, that was great. That was fantastic. Um, you mentioned your recent marriage. Congratulations, first of all. Thank Second, you. 
what's he think of all this? I have an extremely supportive husband. So Will and I met my senior year at LSU through mutual friends. Um, I actually took his friend to a date party the night before, and then I met him. <laughs> um, and so he kind of knew what he was getting into. I mean, it was my senior year, and I told him about – couple dates and I said this is what I'm going to do in my life so either hop on or hop off and I (laughs) he hopped on obviously but he uh I he's a school teacher so we're very blessed in that that his job can move but he's he's been the one that's actually driven me a lot he's always been like you can do better you can it's okay that you're at the office late I'll cook dinner I don't mind it's okay that you're doing this like we plan meals out he he'll bring me lunch like today I got soaking wet because of the rain and he brought me extra clothes because I didn't have clothes at the locker room because I don't have a locker room but that's another point (laughs) um but it was something that he's been very supportive of this yeah it's a little overwhelming sometimes but he wouldn't have it any other way and his family is so supportive they buy me books about women in sports they constantly they're promoting me all the time I mean I have a very, very supportive base in my husband, his family, my family. I mean, my dad, I think, couldn't be beaming with more pride on some days. So I'm very, very blessed to have that. Tell me a little bit about being a woman in a male-dominant world and crushing it. Like, I think it's it's impossible for me to convey how much respect you personally have among everybody over here on this side. So... I read it in a book once by Amy Trask. It's called How to Negotiate Like a Girl. She's like, I never thought of myself as a female in football. That's not possible, in my opinion. I love you, Amy Trask. But (laughs) there are days you notice it more than others and days you don't notice it. And I was very, very lucky to start under Sharon Lewis. Sharon Lewis was the first female director of recruiting in the SEC, if not the nation. I mean, I started under the OG. And she was an awesome person to learn from. And she was unapologetically herself. And then I went to Mississippi State, and my boss, I say my boss, she's my best friend, um, Andrea Hollis was there, and she really showed me what it's like to be yourself and be completely unapologetically yourself. And that's something I struggled with, was like, I need to be 100% on it all the time. I can't show much. I can't do this. And so that's what I mean by there's impo- it's impossible not to notice it because sometimes – I get, I just am a normal human and I have human emotions, but I'm always afraid of how they're going to be perceived. So I was very lucky to learn from women that you can do whatever you want to do and you can have those normal human emotions and they're just going to be perceived as normal. It's been a little bit of a challenge sometimes because sometimes they're like, oh, does she know what she's talking about? I had somebody answer the, I answered the phone one time. And I said, where to send something? I was like, oh, well, I'm the recruiting coordinator. How may I help you? And they said, well, I'd like to speak to someone that knows what they're talking about. Well, I know what I'm talking about. I've been doing football since I was five years old with my dad and my mom. And so there are days that it's a little bit more difficult. But for the most part, I have an amazing staff here. I mean, absolutely unparalleled with how much they support me. I mean, <laughs> that happened and like one of them came out and said what'd you just say and I mean I have amazing friends here I have an amazing support system I have one person that was like no they're not going to respect you like bump that like came out and came out swinging I mean it's really awesome to have great people like that and that's how I think I get a lot of stuff done but I'm also willing to kind of get down and do the grunt work too I'm not like oh I'm I'm a girl like, I can't do that I can't lift that the only time I couldn't lift something is when I slipped a disc in my back and I was like can you 
pick this up for me, please? I can't, I can't lift right now, but <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing being a woman in a man's world, but I think that it's a growing industry and there, every year there's more women coming to AFCA. There's more women at the personnel symposium. And I was never taught that it was unusual because I had Sharon Lewis to start and Andrea Hollis to go after. So I was never shown it was unusual until I got here. And I was like, oh, blank. And I'm the only one. But the biggest thing is, is kind of sharing that message. Like, it's okay to be who you are and you can still get it done. And you can be a little bit, I hate to say aggressive sometimes, but sometimes you got to be. But it's not going to be perceived as being rude. It's going to be perceived as getting your job done. As long as you can get your job done and you're a decent human being while getting that job done, you're just not like a horrible human being that's being rude all the time. If you're aggressive here and there because you need the thing done, they're going to respect you a lot more. So, You talked about your examples and the people you looked up to. Do you feel like you're kind of you're, – you're that for somebody now? I think I am, but at the same time, that terrifies me. But I have a couple student workers, and I love them all so dearly. Um, and they're all young females, and I hope that they learn from me, like, you can be yourself. You can be a woman in a man's industry and not, not care. Like, you don't have to think of that first. You're first and foremost an employee, and then after that comes who you are. Um, and that in a business setting after, you know, when you leave, that's different. But – we have amazing women here in this entire office that show us every day that I hope that they look up more to j- than just me. I mean, Sarah Robeson's a beast. Um, Katie Locke is a beast. I mean, we have a female president, two, two female presidents back to back. I mean, we have an amazing example here at Austin P of what young women can achieve. So I, I think I'm a role model, but I think that there's a lot better than me also to be a role model. I mean, I'm bluntly honest, I cuss like a sailor and everything else in between, but there's a ton of people here for women, young women to look up to, and maybe I'm that person for some people, but if I am, great, but I'm also terrified by that sometimes, too. <laughs> you never can tell who's watching. I know, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you find the time to be an extreme Tottenham Hotspur fan? Ooh, let's go. So the season ended on Sunday. It was a very sad day, but we finished six, so we're going to Europe now. Yeah. Um, sorry, I had to put that in there. Oh, no, I know. I'm just very— We uh, released new jerseys today, too. They're green, and they're awesome. Green? Ooh. Green. I'll show you a picture. I'm um, not— I, I guess green— I guess it'll fit the color scheme. Is it like a— Is it kind of like a Seattle Seahawks sort of— no, no, not not lime green. It, it's a cool green. It's, I'm just pulling it up for you. Um. Anyways, so— Oh, okay. That's muted. That's pretty nice. Yeah. But I'm, they, so I grew up kind of a soccer fan. My dad watched play soccer and everything like that. And it's fun to watch. It's quick and you can not pay attention sometimes. And then I kind of got away from that for a little bit unless the World Cup was playing. But then, so Will, my husband, he played soccer his entire life and actually went to camps over in Europe and everything like that. So he, he was always a massive soccer fan. And I watched 30 for 30s like my life depended on it. And there were a couple actually about the Tottenham team. Um, Blue White Blue was one that was really good about Ozzy and um, Ariellas, I think. I can't remember right now. Um, I know Ozzy for sure. But it was about two Argentinian players on the Tottenham team during the the Falkland Wars. Like, you know, when Europe invaded Argentina. Yeah. And so it was really cool, to, the Falkland Islands. 
and so it was really cool to watch that and like kind of made me think oh these are pretty cool people and then will got me really into it and so this over the last two years i am like rabid i mean you can come up to my desk on a match day and there's like soccer on the tv near my desk there's soccer on my personal computer i have my headphones and listening to another broadcast i cried the day the premier league came back after the covid break i was so happy and it was a team i hate hate and i'm like ah, soccer but it's kind of goes back to like those qualities that you need to have you need to learn how to prioritize and sometimes you need to prioritize yourself and that's one of the things i give myself time for is watching and freaking out over soccer <laughs> um, we went it, we went to the fa cup last year and actually we're in the finals against liverpool and we lost 2-1 in the fa cup it was depressing us all get out they have a nashville spurs club actually in nashville so a fan club for the tottenham hot spurs really yeah i remember i wish i had my keys i have my little like where do, you, where do y'all go to watch on nobles Saturdays? nobles yeah we're in oh. east nashville unfortunately nobles is in repair right now but most places are right now yeah but it kind of became a thing where i love the action of soccer i i think it's fun it kind of is a step away from me for football i have football 24 7 i can kind of step away and look at another football yeah um so it's just i love the sport it's so much fun there's so much everybody's like there's nothing to it you just kick a ball i'm like there's so much much. there's like so much strategy and then will's a soccer coach on top of that so i get it from a soccer coach's perspective too and a fan perspective so it's super fun but match day the cane jersey comes out or my my it was christian erickson it's okay he's over in italy now he can do his own thing um but you don't sound bitter at all i'm not bitter <laughs> i'm not as long as they don't take deli away from me i'm fine I think I, I don't think I've heard any rumors about him leaving. I haven't either, but I could also see him leaving during this transfer window. But like Deli Ali, son, um, I love them. Lucas Mora. I mean, we have an awesome team. Sissoko, Aria, Loris is funny. He he's he's a goalie. He's just a typical goalie in yeah, my opinion. They're they're a little more out there. Yeah, they're, he's something. He's so French too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so much fun to watch and. I may be psycho about it, but you know it, it's good to be passionate about stuff. I know we have a new nephew, and so we're, we're we've bought him all this Tottenham stuff because we know his parents won't bring him up in soccer. So we're like, you're gonna cheer for our team, dang it! <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite word? I can't say it on the show, probably. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Mm. hate the word moist honestly like I know that sounds weird but it's, a it's popular very cli- it's very cliche and I also hate the word like squish like squish I don't like it just squish squishy is fine but squish no who or what inspires you my grandparents khaki and granddad Ka- khaki Wait, my grandmother's name is khaki it's Louise but we call her khaki how did she get khaki? My cousin Ray didn't want to call her grandmother or grandmama or nana or anything like that. And he just went up to her one day and said, I call you khaki. <laughs> so she's been khaki. But I, my grandparents are huge inspirations to me. What is the last book you read for fun? Ooh, for fun? Um, I actually read three in one week. Um, wow. Uh, Michael Ferris Smith, Blackwood. Um, Dispatches from Pluto by, I can't remember his name right now. And then Big Little Lies was a big one. I love reading, so. I could tell. 
yeah, I, I tried, I just bought two more books, um, C.S. Lewis, Till We Have Faces, and then another one about a doctor in India. How many books do you reckon you read per year? I try to do at least once a, one a month, so probably 12. Um, sometimes I get and reread the Harry Potter um, <laughs> series, so of course I'm going to add in a couple seven here and there, but depending on the year, anywhere from 12 to 22. What is your worst habit? Picking my nails. Like like, pick, like picking under them? No, like the cuticles by the side, I'll pick oh. at them. It's like an anxious tick. What app on your phone gets the most use? Ooh, um, probably my messaging app, honestly. Like, my phone blows up. I think right now we are at, let's see, we are at, we are at 15 text messages and a phone call. Well, I'm going to try to hurry this up so you can get back to that. <laughs> uh, they can wait. <laughs> what is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Uh, terif- most terrifying situation on a like it's a weird note but um it was actually April Fool's Day my sister like went out of, I was supposed to watch my sister I went and took a shower after working out and she went outside and like went over to a friend's house without t- she yelled back at me and we couldn't find my sister and it was April Fool's Day so people thought we were make, like playing a prank and I couldn't find my sister my sister is like my best friend so it was like the most terrifying day um, second to that was when I broke like half my body falling off a horse. <laughs> that was second. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Huh. What's your idea of happiness? Sitting on a boat at a lake with my family and friends around me and having my family there for a big family dinner, like sit going out, hanging with them. And I'm a huge family person. I grew up with my mother's entire extended family within a month mile of each other so having like all 22 of us over at dinner making dinner and just having that awesome experience what is your idea of misery mm. having to stay alone for a really long time like just like this sounds weird but like just like not having people around me i'm a very big oh you pe- mean being quarantined yes but i have people with me i have a husband for that <laughs> true uh what makes you self-conscious having to pick out what I wear on a recruiting day because I'm always afraid that it's going to be the wrong thing. The wrong thing? Yeah, like, I, I, I'd like to wear all black, and I'm always afraid, like, over my shoulders, like, do I, I'm, I'm always afraid of, like, do I pick the right outfit to, like, kill the day? It's a real thing. I, I'm very superstitious, so if, like, that one shirt, like, I didn't get to commit that day, I may not wear it again. So, like, that makes me really self-conscious when I'm like, oh, no, was it the shirt? Like, so what I'm picking out during a recruiting visit. What is the most embarrassing song you love? Ah, mm. that's that's a tough one because I like a lot of weird music. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like I like that kind of introspection with that answer <laughs> where you're like, I like, I think some odd things are bangers. Oh, I'm like massive like all jams like glass animals is really weird music and i love that music so um i don't think i can have like one song that i'm like embarrassed to love but i i like a lot of weird music how would you prefer to die Hmm. quickly (laughs) if you were reincarnated what would you like to come back as and why reincarnated yeah Ooh. if i could become back as one of my family dogs because i wish i lived the life they live They, they treat it pretty well I mean, my dog, get, so I had a dog, my husband and I did, and then when I moved here, he was working and teaching 12 hours a day. I was working and teaching 14 hours a day, so she lives with my parents. The dog gets salmon for dinner. Dang. 
like whatever my parents are eating she gets to eat they're having scrambled eggs we need to put an extra one in the pan for zelda (laughs) man i know that looks treated better than most people i know what might prompt you to lie That's actually a really tough one because one of my biggest things is I I can't lie. Like, I literally get sweaty and, like, I freak out and people know I am lying. But I am a very brutally honest person to a fault almost. So um, there's not much that would cause me to lie because I, I am one of those people. I'm just like, well, that sucks. Just Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> yep, that, that was bad for you. Sorry. Yep. I Literally, I'm like, you're dying from being sick. Sorry. <laughs> Your bedside manner may not have been good if you were a doctor. No, probably not. Um, I feel like maybe I would have been a little nicer and sugarcoated it a little bit, but it would still be the truth. Kids deserve the truth just as much as adults do. What makes you hopeful? Honestly, graduation days make me so happy these days. Um, just because I think where I am right now, and just seeing those young guys like walk across stage, have a diploma, and they have an opportunity to go get a job, to go be an awesome husband, an awesome father, an awesome son. And those are those make me so hopeful because it's like, ah, oh, there's still goodness in this world. It's just a blank slate, and they can go fill it however they want. And you see, like, and they're such good guys. Like, oh, my God. I There hasn't been a player that I'm like, oh, I just don't like that human. But <laughs> it, it makes me really hopeful because it's just like there's new hope. There's new people. There's new faces in this world, and it makes me really excited. What is our purpose in life? To serve others. Regardless of who it is, what is one question you'd ask the next guest? Hmm. Give me a second on this one. This is a good good opportunity for me right here. It sure is. What's your perfect dog? Perfect dog? Yeah. Whoa. What's your perfect dog? I'm biased because I love German Shepherds, but they have to be, like, a certain mix of, like, the kind of zany, like, a little bit, like, Got a little high strongness to them. A little high strongness to them, but they're just, like, they just want to come with you and snuggle with you and everything like that. Like, they're very comforting animals, but then they also have that little wild streak to them. I think that's something of what I am. I have a little bit of a wild streak to me, but I'm also a very, like, oh, it's going to be okay type of person. (laughs) Last week, Katie Locke's question was... Would you rather have a blowhole on the top of your head or on your back? Ooh, I feel like top of my head because then I can cover it up with like a like a cap or something and make it less obvious. That was I, kind of the conclusion we came to as well. Yeah, I like ba- I like baseball hats anyway, so like works for me. Yeah, that's perfect then. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you? It's kind of a question I've been asking myself for a long time. Um, like I said, I didn't dream of doing this my entire life. My job, this came like senior year, so. It's a lot longer than I would like to admit. Um, probably like I've only been on this journey for a couple of years now. Um, so my goals change and my ideas of what I want to do next kind of change. Um, a year ago, if you asked me, I would say as a director of recruiting at a major program. Well, now I'm like, mm, probably not. I really like this operations role. So maybe it's a director of football operations somewhere um for an ultimate role or maybe it's an ad one day i i can't tell you because i like i said i'm still on the journey i'm still trying to figure out what i want to do when i grow up (laughs) well i think i can say for everyone uh 
don't grow up too quick because we really want you to stay here for a while. <laughs> it's okay. My husband loves it here too, and he loves his soccer team. Yes. Thank uh, <laughs> Cammie, thank you so much for coming in today. I really love it. I did too. Thank you. Thanks to Cammie for giving us a few minutes of her time today. I know this is a hectic time of year, especially this year with everything going on football-related as we try to get back underway here soon. Also getting back underway now, baseball. Woo! Doing its best. Unless you're the Marlins. Doing its best baseball again. It's been fun, except for the Reds' four-game losing streak after winning on opening day. No, that part's been delightful. Oh, no, it, not for me. It's Well, the rest of us have been thrilled it really sucked because the reds won on opening day and then moustakis and nick Senzel both had possible symptoms of coronavirus so they both ended up having to sit out for four days except for the fact that they both tested negative like five times and then they finally came back and both hit homers last night so that was fun that homer that moustakis hit on opening day was a the one he had on, oh my god good golly the one he hit yesterday looked like it was going to go just as far but it it didn't, but the one I hit on opening day was seats that haven't been reached since Adam Dunn left the Reds. Like, ba- I, Jay Bruce probably hit a couple up there. Basic, basically the river. It's like that's Adam Dunn, Jay Bruce territory. Not a lot of guys go that far up the right field bleachers, and Moose Docks is going to do it for the next four years, which is very exciting for me. Yeah, you're going to enjoy him. I really like Moose Docks. He seems like a lot of fun. If we can get Castellanos to not opt out of his contract, too. He had, a home run. He had one in the upper deck on a grand slam last night, too. Yeah, he's uh, driving in those runs at a, a pretty good clip. Nobody should throw – why would you ever throw him a fastball? Because you got to buy an ounce in that lineup. I mean, he just hammers fastballs. And he – I mean, I've seen him struggle with the breaking ball this year. Maybe it's just a thing right? he's going through right now. But, good Lord, he hammers fastballs. Especially left-handed pitchers. Rex Brothers should not have thrown him a fastball. Oh, Rex Brothers. Rex, as Brett Newberg called him, Rex O'Brothers. That is a name I've not heard in a long time. Speaking of names you haven't heard in a long time, you know who was in left field for the Nationals the other day? Emilio Bonifacio. <laughs> well, by yeah. golly. Yeah, bigger comeback. Bonifacio or Daniel Bard? You tell me. Daniel Bard. Have you read some of that? Yeah, no, I know. The Bonifacio's funnier, though. Yeah, it is. Much, much funnier. Well, especially especially that he's playing for the defending champions. Defending champions. If, if he was, if he was with the Orioles, that's... Yeah, yeah, they went from Juan Soto to Bonifacio out there. That's... uh. Not good for the Washington Nationals. Speed has improved. He's 35. Soto's still not quick. <laughs> I feel like a young Juan Soto, maybe. I mean, I, f- I guess speed doesn't go away as if you're that fast. Yeah, I mean, you know, Eric Eric Young Sr., the one who was coaching first base for the Braves, can probably still beat half the lineup around the bases. When Billy Hamilton was with the Reds, Eric Davis claimed he could beat him in a race. Like, 48-year-old Eric Davis said, I could beat that guy in a race right now. Okay, well, no. I'm going to say no, but I would have liked to see it. Yeah, I would have, I would have liked to have seen it. we got two Austin P alums doing stuff in the majors right now. Ryan Harper made the opening day roster. 
for those defending champions. Just flipping curveballs up there. Just tossing curveballs. And that thing that the one that got away. <laughs> did you see that pitch? I did not. Holy buckets. He was pitching to Judge, and one just slipped. Oh, he hung it? No. Oh, it actually it, got away. It didn't like. It, it flew. Aaron Judge is big, and it was a good five feet over his head. Oh, that happens. It does happen, but he battled back to get the strikeout. And you know, you know, after that pitch, Judge was like, "I don't know where this what, guy's what is happening." <laughs> both Austin P. pitchers are very pitching ninja friendly too. You see both of oh, them. Oh yeah, you get Harper's curveball and Rogers being from down under. Like pitching ninja loves loves the governors. You're getting the gifts from pitching ninja. Rogers, uh, we have some complaints, Gabe Kapler. I, they're complaints. They are. They're and I think they're justified only. And it's going to sound like we're nitpicking this one instance where it was opening night, right? Was it, it was the second second one. night because it was the night he got the hold. Yeah, he had second second night of the season because uh, it was Bellinger, wasn't it? Well, it was the top of the Dodgers lineup that for the second time in two days. Yeah, just absolutely MVPs, batting titles, yeah. Silver Sluggers, yeah, All Stars. Basically, the national the first five for the National League All Stars this year, and. Kapler is shifting on Belly and Muncie and Muncie and Rogers gives up two of the right at the shortstop ground balls. Just the weakest nothing burger hits against the shift. I mean, he threw it right at Bellinger's thumbs and he yeah. grounded it right at the shortstop, but it's a hit because he had the shift on. Yeah. And I understand shifting Bellinger if you've got Kenley Jansen. Yeah. If someone's coming over the top in a, traditional fashion and not if they don't just live to upset timing and induce ground balls i totally get your supposed we are very pro shift on this podcast the people that are anti-shift no no but for rogers you don't he's just an anomaly i don't think you should shift with the way he throws because even to lefties he's gonna jam so many of them i can see it only I can see a slight shift, but the exaggerated second baseman playing short right field. The shortstop behind just, the bag is not going to work. It's just it's not needed, especially with Justin Turner being the only one on the left side. He's not going to get to those balls. Like if you would have left Corey Seager over there, you'd like maybe. Wait, what are you talking about? You're talking about the people he was playing against. I, I'm completely talking about the Dodgers. <laughs> defense. Like wait, wait, wait. I had, I had Dodgers. Of course, Seager. I had, do- the I, had, I had Dodgers defense on my mind. Which makes even I don't even know who's playing shortstop for the Giants. Is it um, Dubon? Should still be Crawford, isn't it? It is Brandon Crawford. Oh, that's right. Never mind. He can get to those balls over not, there. Not really. He's not the fastest guy. He's a good fielder. He's a good fielder, but you know it's a lot to patrol. But either way, they're still they're shifting him behind second base, and whoever their third baseman is is having to play shortstop essentially. Well, I'm seeing a lot more of the true like. I like it where you move the third baseman. I like, yeah, I like it when you're moving the third baseman to short right and kind of keeping everybody else the same. But right. even then. You're putting that guy on You can even move the third baseman behind the bag and have the second baseman still go out deep. But yeah, as could. long as you keep your shortstop as the only guy on the left side, yeah. it's a lot better. Yeah, definitely. Anyway. Don't shift, Gabe Kapler. Not, not with, with Rodgers Not pitching. with Rodgers on the mound. Also not on the mound. Joe Kelly. We might not be the biggest Joe Kelly podcast in the world, but we are very pro Joe Kelly. I'm not pro throwing at people in baseball. Neither it am just, I. I don't just like sort it. of in a general fashion. It seems there seems to be other ways to make a point. A lot I've of been, times, I've expressed my anti Pittsburgh Pirates takes because I don't like them throwing at people, and they've done it for years. But in this case, 
in this case, it seems like Joe Kelly and baseball writ large were painted into the corner where the people in power at Major League Baseball were not going to punish the Astros for essentially stealing a World Series. And, and going to two others, or one other. And had to essentially take the law into their own hands. Uh, I love the people. I, I, I may not approve of the methods, but that he stood up and said, no, this ain't right, and we're going to do something about it. I will approve of that. I knew everybody else was going to say it, and everybody said it on Twitter yesterday. Joe Kelly suspended for eight more games than anybody on the Houston Astros who stole the World Series and cheated. And eight games in this season? That's is, a lot of games. It's almost a quarter of the season. Almost. The best part is there's a quote from Bregman two years ago where he said his favorite unwritten rule is the way baseball polices itself, which means throwing at people. So uh, when Bregman gets drilled by somebody this year because he cheated, can't say anything because it's his favorite unwritten rule. Word word to the wise, if you're an Astros player listening to this <laughs> mildly entertaining mid-major college athletics podcast, <laughs> you, you need to armor up like a medieval barber when you're headed to the plate. Yeah. The, y- every, everything. Evo shield, elbow guard, leg guard, go get a quarterback flak jacket, throw that on underneath your jersey. Elongated uh, face guard. Go find some football thigh pads. You're probably going to want them. I mean, there's. I'm sure Evo Shield makes a foot protector these days. Uh, there's hand. I know there's hand protectors you can put on your batting glove. You're gonna want those. Yeah. Um, you might not even want the Evo Shield elbow guard. You might want the old David Ortiz cover your full arm guard. Yeah, I was thinking like the the Bonzian thing that. Went yeah, from, yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. From wrist to shoulder, like basically. Gronk wears when he's playing football. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna want that. Um, and we don't feel bad for you. No. How about Joe Kelly's Instagram post though? Just electric. <laughs> Joe Joe Kelly seems like he was on one when he hopped on the Instagram. The best part is Joe Kelly wasn't even on the Dodgers team that lost to the Astros in the World Series. He just he, he doesn't he, he doesn't, doesn't have, have to be. be he doesn't have he, to be. Yeah, I mean, but that makes it better because it it makes it funnier. <laughs> I mean, the Astros spent all of spring training and spring training to electric boogaloo getting thrown at. So. They Everybody are, gets to take their shot. They're going to get thrown at. They're going to... It, and there's only one person to blame for them getting thrown at, and it's Rob Manfred. Yeah. Because no. if Rob Manfred would have done something, they wouldn't get thrown at. Yeah. But we, I think we've, we've exhausted the ways in which Rob Manfred disappoints us. Hats off to you, Joe Kelly. That's all. Yeah. Hats off to Haley Meyer for... A lot of things, but also for uh, being kind of our clearinghouse for community services. You slowly begin to trickle back to campus. Hopefully, Haley will have some things for you to do here in the Clarksville community. You know what else you can do? Get in touch, stay in touch with us via the web and social media. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Go P. You can follow along on our official Facebook account called Austin P. Governors. Uh, shout out to our friends Eric and Robin for all the content they are putting out on all of those platforms. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Casey, Cody, Bush, and myself uh, should have a little bit of an announcement on some dates tomorrow. Tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. And, uh, you know, what you need to be on the lookout for? Tickets. Tickets. If you're going to come watch the Govs this fall, you're going to need a ticket. And how are you going to get those? You're going to get in contact with our ticket gurus, Katie Locke, and her assistant, Tommy John. They have all the information you can use to get in the game. And uh, watch out because if we have fans this fall, it's going to be limited capacity. So you don't want to be left out. So be on top of your t- game to get some tickets. 
Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating review on the podcast, five stars, five stars. And if you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Theorize on how my wallet got wet. I think it was Colonel Mustard in the uh, in the study. <laughs> Tweet us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at C underscore Craig19. Love yourself, love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. Black Johnny Cash with the swag, with my swag. Matt Black white walls on the lack, on the lack. Well dressed, throw some wax on my stash, on my stash. All black, you can call me Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash.